0: king of glory. Lord, as we enter this season of Christmas, God, help us to remember what it's about. We're here to celebrate your birth, Jesus, what you've done for us through your life and ultimately through your death and resurrection. So God, remind us of that constantly and help us to remember that always, God. You are holy. You are deserving of all the glory, of all the praise that we are to sing today, Lord. And God, I pray that you would just help us to focus on you and you alone today. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. We'll begin today in Isaiah chapter 61. We're looking at some reasons Jesus came. We'll begin our first one today. Isaiah 61, verses 1 and 2. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me. Because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Now turn over to Luke chapter four. It says in verse 16, Luke chapter four, verse 16. And he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And as was his custom, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath, and he stood up to read. So there is today a first-century synagogue, the remains of a first-century synagogue in Nazareth. Nazareth during Jesus' day was about 500 people, it's estimated. Today it might be 500,000. It's a huge city. It is primarily a Muslim city today. It's his boyhood home. And it says here that his custom was Jesus would travel around and when it was a Sabbath day, he would go to the Sabbath and he would read the scripture and he would teach. When they were reading the scripture, they would stand up and read the scripture. And then after they would read the scripture, the teacher would sit down. That was not me. I don't believe. That's weird, isn't it? So I think who has that phone needs to turn it off, wherever that phone is. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written. So he stands to read, and then he sits down to teach. And he teaches what we just read. And this is what Jesus read to them. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me, to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he rolled the scroll and gave it back to the attendant, and he sat down. And the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. And all spoke well of him. All spoke well of him. And they marveled at at the gracious words that were coming from his mouth. And they said, is not this Joseph's son? And he said to them, doubtless you will quote to me this proverb. Physician, heal yourself. What we have heard you did at Capernaum, do here in your hometown as well. And he said, now, just remember in verse 22, they speak well of him. They uh, are marveling at his gracious words. They are celebrating. They're all smiling. They are good with what they have heard. And then Jesus says, you know, of course, Jesus knows her heart. And he says, I reckon you're going to share with me or quote to me the proverb that says, physician, heal yourself. There's two meanings for this. First meaning would be uh, the quote, the parable. Um, The uh, proverb would say that you need to take care of yourself before you take care of other people. Physician, heal yourself means don't come and fix us until you're fixed. After all you're from nazareth you're not all that you're not who you have read about today because you're from nazareth because after all no one who is among us can be that person who the lord is on them anointed and so forth i mean today we still have that mindset don't we if someone lives 500 miles away they're liable to be an expert to us but if they live next door to us they wouldn't be an expert right isn't that the way it works? You bring in a consultant, you bring in an expert, you bring in this, uh, you know, this guy that supposedly knows everything, and because he's from a long way away, he has a hearing. But if he grew up among us, if we knew him, if we knew his family, then he can't be this guy. And so that's the mindset, and that Jesus reads them. He knows their heart, and he says, Doubtless, you're going to quote to me this proverb, Physician, heal yourself. And so uh, you're part of us, so you can't be the one who the Lord Spirit is upon. And he said, "You're gonna you're gonna ask me what we have heard you did at Capernaum. Do here in your hometown as well. Let's see the stuff. You just can't show up and read from Isaiah and not show the stuff. We're not gonna sit here and allow you to." to fool us, we're not deceived here, we're, we, we know what is what and we know what's going on and if you're going to stand here and quote Isaiah and if you're going to stand before him and say that that scripture is fulfilled in your hearing, you're going to have to show us. And he said, truly I say to you, no prophet is acceptable in his hometown, but in truth, uh-oh, Uh Uh-oh, here we go. As believers, we naturally see and accept truths about Jesus and our condition. As a believer. Now, as a believer, we're reading the scripture and we're going, Oh, yeah, he's the anointed one. Oh, yeah, that's why he came. To proclaim good news to the poor. And, and this poor here is not talking about physical poverty. It's talking about poor in spirit, just like Jesus talked about that we saw in Matthew 5, verse 3. These are all spiritual activities that Jesus is referencing here. It's not being a mighty warrior and not building a physical kingdom. Jesus didn't come to set them free from the Romans. He came to set them free from their spiritual struggle with sin and so jesus comes and he says the spirit of the lord is upon me because he has anointed me in verse 18 to proclaim good news to the poor they were all about the good news good the poor need good news most likely they weren't thinking about this in a spiritual aspect they were only thinking about it in the physical aspect he has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives he is he has come to to mend hearts he has come to put hearts back together. There are wounded people. There are wounded souls. There's just there's wounded hearts all around. People are broken. People are struggling. And, and Jesus has come, thank goodness he has come, to proclaim liberty, freedom to the captives, no longer in bondage to sin, no longer set free. He has also come to establish a recovering of sight to the blind this is spiritual blindness they had they had so many blind spots they were looking for in the wrong place for the coming messiah the messiah of course we believe because we believe and we see we believe and we experience we understand that jesus is the messiah and so we recognize that he is the fulfillment of of isaiah chapter 61 and so he he restores to people sight spiritual sight you see we see we believe we experience because we believe we see because we believe we know because we believe we understand because we believe we feel his presence we know his presence we have in us somewhere this spiritual knower that when we read God's truth, our heart is warm. Just like the two walking on the road to Emmaus, they said when we were with him, weren't our hearts warmed? I mean, when we hear truth, when we recognize truth, when we see the activity of the Lord, we rejoice, we celebrate because we see, because we understand. When we hear someone give a testimony about how they heard John three sixteen. And and they recognize that John three sixteen means for them that if they believe in Him they will not perish and they're they're just caught away with that they just they just full they just absolutely surrender everything to that truth to that promise I believe in Jesus therefore I will not perish man we celebrate that that's a great thing and and Jesus came to give sight to the blind, and then we see in verse 18, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, oppressed by their flesh, oppressed by their habits, oppressed by their addictions. Jesus came to break them. He came, you know, literally Jesus came, so the real struggle begins, and people struggle for recovery. There's hope, there's possibility, there's opportunity with Christ. He came to, to, to be a difference maker in people. And, and so the people, when they heard that, and when they heard this scripture has been fulfilled in your presence, verse 22 said they marveled at his words. They were gracious words. There were words that warmed their heart. And then it changes. And look, why, look, look at the reason why it changes. Verse 25, but in truth, Now, if Jesus would have left it right there, there would not have been this major event that happened in his ministry and in the lives of these people. You see, at this point, they're okay with what they've heard. They're okay with the Isaiah setting people free. They're okay with God giving them favor and 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 giving them grace. They're all they're all for the, the year of Jubilee. They're all for the day when all debts are paid, when all debts are canceled, when all all acts of injustice are forgiven. They're all for that day and time. They long for it. They want that. But now we see Jesus begin to take it from uh, the general, the idea, the concept that's out there and he begins to make it personal and 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 look how jesus makes it personal and when you understand this jewish mindset you recognize just how personal this is and it helps you understand the response that the people had in that synagogue on that sabbath day but in truth i tell you here goes the real skinny here goes the heart of the matter Here goes how, you know, the shoe leather hits the the ground. I mean, this this is it. This is the real deal. But in truth, I tell you, there were many widows in Israel in the days of Elijah. When the heavens were shut up three years and six months, and a great famine came over all the land, and Elijah was sent to none of them, Remember the story in 1 Kings? Elijah, the mighty prophet. There were many widows during that time. Three and a half years of no rain. Can you imagine what it would be like here if we had three and a half years of no rain? I I can remember as a kid that it had not rained in San Angelo for a long time. And and during the summer one day, a big thunderstorm came and started raining. I mean pouring, lightning and thunder and wind. And people all on my street ran out in the yard, in the street, and, and danced. It was amazing. It was an amazing thing to behold. I remember, wow, that's great. Of course, my next thought was, man, my baseball game is going to be canceled tonight. You know, that's what I was thinking about. <laughs> but it hadn't rained in so long that there was just, it was hard. It was difficult. And, and, and we had dams that would hold the water. And so we hadn't run out of water yet. But but these people here they're not eating. They're starving. And there were many starving widows in Israel. And Elijah was sent to none of them. Now, Jesus is saying this to very nationally pride people people who are really proud of who they are people are really proud that they're God's chosen people they understood that they recognized that they understood that they were they were the children of Abraham and Abraham was called to be the father of a great nation and and there was just this huge ego this pride this this awareness of who they were and here Jesus is but the truth is you want to hear the truth of the matter Here you are celebrating me, and you're honoring me, and you're talking about how wonderful my gracious words are, but the truth of the matter is, and you need to hear this, that in those days of Elijah, when there was three and a half years of no rain, there were many starving widows in Israel, and Elijah was sent to none of them. Elijah wasn't sent to any of them. Why is that? It says, but only to Zarephath in the land of Sidon, Gentile woman. A Gentile is anyone other than a Jew. The Gentiles are lower than the Jews in the hierarchy of things, in the pecking order of things. The Jews believed that they were so much better than the Gentile. How dare you say that to us? How dare you just uh, just abuse us with those words They they, they would begin to conjure up in their mind And Jesus stands right there and says The truth of the matter is That only Zarephath, the land of Sidon, Was Elijah sent to To a woman who was a widow And if that's not enough He even heaps a little more on him He says, and there were many lepers in Israel Many lepers In the time of the prophet Elisha, and none of them, none of them was cleansed, but only Naaman the Syrian, Gentile. A lot of people had leprosy in Israel, and Elisha only dealt with Naaman. In verse 28, when they heard these things, All in the synagogue, they were filled with wrath. What a change. What a change happened. And they rose up and drove him out of the town and brought him to the brow of the hill on which their town was built so that the cliff could throw him down the cliff. I want you to look at this cliff. We're going to look at a picture up here. Look at that. That's the cliff. That's it. Now, it might not have been right there. It might have been to the right or it might have been to the left, but that's the cliff. Now, Nazareth is built up on a big, big cliff. This is not Ranger Hill, all right? Can, can you see down there with that road down in the Valley of Armageddon? Can you see those those barn tops down there? Can you see the fields? This is a dramatic fall. The, I mean, I, I, I would fail to give you the, the proper elevation of where this is, but... From that's you walked out there, in the end of those rocks right there, that's like those Red Bull people with those wing suits on, jump off, and fly. Is that the craziest thing you ever saw? I, if I if that thing pops up on my machine, I'll watch two or three of them. I say, them boys are nuts, jumping off those hills. But this, it'd be like a base jump. And they brought him to the edge of this cliff. And they were about to throw him off the cliff. And, and, and their custom was, not only would they throw him off the cliff, but then they would pick up rocks and drop it down on him in case the fall didn't kill him. Right? Of course, it was not going to kill Jesus because the angels would have come, and we know that. But if it had been some other prophet that wasn't the Son of Man, you know, there could have been a real killing here this time. They, they were going to throw him off the cliff. But look at verse 30. But passing through their midst, he went away. Hmm. Isn't it interesting that they went from rejoicing with the words he shared to being full of wrath? The truth of Jesus will cause a believer to rejoice and an unbeliever to be offended. An unbeliever offense to me is concrete evidence, overwhelming evidence that Jesus is real no figure in the world no teacher in the world draws this kind of response like jesus does if, if you walk into an asian restaurant they can have a buddha in there and it's no big deal matter of fact you've probably done like me you go in that asian restaurant and you see the little buddha sitting there and you reach over and go how you doing there buddha don't you no big deal no big deal at all doesn't matter i mean but you put up a nativity scene on the courthouse lawn, and people just get irate about that. Buddha, all good. Don't worry about the Buddha in the Chinese place. You know it's their culture. It's just the way it is. You're if you walk in a Chinese place, you got to understand you're going to have a Buddha, but no nativity scene, no Christmas tree that may or may not represent Christianity whatsoever. We, we've got some symbolism built into the Christmas tree, but, you know, eh, no big deal. No 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 rubbing against anybody's will. It's not rubbing fingernails down a chalkboard. A community can build a monument to the idols of money, sports, the power of the Caesars who are in charge at the moment, and it is it is okay. But you you put a statue of Jesus out there somewhere, and people just get irate over it, offended. To me, that's proof that Jesus is the Lord, the King, the Savior, the Messiah, because he gets such an offense taking place about him. Now, what we have here in this passage is this. Just like today. Many, most, are okay with Christian teaching. Okay with it. Matter of fact, they like the moral teaching that Christianity brings. Many like the inspirational teaching that that, that the scriptures bring to us. The encouraging words are pleasant. You know, you, you get up and you tell a story about an Old Testament character that persevered and you talk about that if you really want to succeed in business, follow these three things that this guy did in the Old Testament. And you got to be faithful, you got to be true to your cause, you got to stay focused. And, and people will rejoice over that and say, Yeah, that's that's some good biblical teaching there. And, and and they will reward the teacher, they reward the messenger, and they will speak about that teaching just like they did with Jesus in this particular deal. But what did Jesus do here? Jesus got real personal with that teaching, real personal. By the way, he says, but I tell you the truth. I'm here to tell you there were lots of widows in Israel, and Elijah didn't go to one of them. There were lots of lepers in Israel, and Elisha didn't go to one of them. What's he telling them? You're going to be passed over because of the hardness of your heart. You're going to be passed over because of your unbelief. You're going to be left out. Because of of your unbelief and missing the visitation of the one that God has sent. And when he got personal, they got mad. When he got personal, they got offended. And the exact same thing happens today. So you got to ask yourself, man, do I get offended when I hear the truth? Do I get offended about the truth about Jesus, or do I rejoice and do I accept it? That's a good question for us today. How would we have responded in this synagogue? Would we have responded like most everybody did here today by being offended, or would we respond by, wait a minute, you guys, I recognize some truth in this teaching. I recognize what he's saying here. Back up a little bit. Hold up a little bit, you guys. There's truth here. He's the Messiah. It was prophesied. Isaiah prophesied it. And, And notice something else, that when Jesus teaches them, and when he quotes Isaiah 61, verses 1 and 2, he doesn't quote the second part of verse 2. That was about the judgment. He only only gave the first part was about the healing, the forgiveness, and, and the binding of the hearts, the putting of the hearts back together, the wonderful things that Jesus is going to do and still does. Jesus left out the vengeance, the judgment that would come because of unbelief. And then when they go, man, you're wonderful. We love hearing this. Isn't this great? Man, we want you to come every Sabbath because our lives are going to be really better when you come. He said, nah, let me tell you the truth. we got to get on down to the personal here. you got to understand you're responsible for your sin. You're responsible for your belief. There's consequences because you're not going to believe that I'm the Messiah. Because you can't get over the fact that there's no way that Joseph's son could be the son of God. And it's a personal issue that you're going to fold. And so Jesus gave them a heads up to the response before they responded. But Jesus can do that like no other can. And so we're here today in church. Most likely, probably a good percentage of you guys here today, when you hear the truth, when you hear the good news, when you hear who Jesus is and what Jesus did, you rejoice and you obey and you see and you believe and you rejoice and you experience. But there may be some today that you're in that position of offense. When you hear about Jesus and what he did, you get offended. You need to think about why you get offended. May it be because you're still in your sin. May it be because you are still strong in your flesh. May it be because you have not believed so that you could see and experience and know and feel and rejoice in Jesus being Savior, Messiah, Lord, and King. And then today people are watching us on TV. You know, you might just be passing by and you see this sermon today and say, What's that guy talking about? What's that Santa Claus looking guy doing? This this family came up to get s'mores last night, and the little two-year-old girl just falls apart crying when she sees me. Like oh, well, sweetie, what's wrong? And the mom looking and says, She doesn't like Santa Claus. I said I ain't Santa Claus I promise I've seen Santa Claus I ain't him you know and I went over to talk talk to her I couldn't ever convince her I wasn't Santa Claus though so you might be just looking on this and somehow or another through things that maybe none of us understand you found us today and when you hear about Jesus you're offended you're offended I want to share with you Something that's going to even offend you more unless you believe, unless you receive, unless you accept God's message to us about Jesus, about who he is. You see, Christmas means nothing unless we personally accept it. Christmas feels good. Christmas makes sense. We think sort of. But I mean, if you really think about the story of Christmas, a virgin birth is enough to go, don't celebrate Christmas, right? I mean that's strange. That's bizarre to think about that. I mean only through belief could we fully comprehend the 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 beauty of Christmas time. And so you have to understand there is truth. There's absolute truth. There, truth. there is truth. There is truth. There's absolute truth. There's there's not you know relational right or wrong. There's not just you know reasonable. Uh, truth and you accept your truth, I accept my truth, and if I want to believe that Jesus is the Lord, Messiah, King, and Lord, then then it's okay, and, and if you choose not to believe that, then it's okay. No, that that's not what Jesus is saying here, and that's not what is true. There is truth. Jesus is God. That's what the Bible tells us. That is what the Holy Spirit is working to do right now to, to help you to see. He is the Messiah, he is the Lord, and he is the King. And you might get offended by my next statement, but, but ask yourself why you get so offended when I say this to you, only Jesus saves. Only Jesus saves. That, that's why I'm a guy of the book. That's why I believe this is because I was saved. I believed and I understood. And as the years gone by, I know more about him than I used to. I'm growing, I'm learning, and I've discovered that he really is my best friend. He is my savior, and he is my master, and he is my Lord, and his burdens are not burdensome. His commands are not burdensome to us. Only Jesus saves. Now, if you had the ability, now, none of the people here are going to throw me off a cliff today. There might be a few that are trying. Maybe they're going to get so offended. But if you you could mass people together, you might come want to throw me off the cliff like they want to throw Jesus when I tell you this. You can be moral. You can be wise. You can be educated. You can even be religious. You may have been baptized. You may have gone to church for years. You may have had some Christian thoughts from time to time. It doesn't matter whether you're moral, wise, educated, religious. If you don't have a personal experience with Jesus and you accept what he has to say to you about your sin and about the condition of your soul without him, you will spend all of eternity in torment in hell. That's what the Bible says. You see, they were okay with hearing the good things, but when it came to, but I tell you the truth, you are outside because of the condition of your heart experiencing the blessings of God. That's what the Bible tells us. You see, the evidence of belief, the evidence that people know Christ, believe him and love him, is that they repent, they do good things as a result of believing in him, and they deny themselves. Jesus says in Luke 9, 23, if you want to be my follower, if you want to follow me, if you want to know me, You've got to deny yourself, take up the cross, and follow me. That's what Jesus had to say. So there there is truth. There is absolute truth. Jesus, God, Messiah, Lord, and our King, only Jesus saves. And and if you have not experienced him personally, you are like these Jews sitting in this first century synagogue on this day, and you hear that, that God blessed the Gentiles and not them, and you become full of wrath because you believe that God is sentencing you. You believe God is judging you. And if you don't personally come to terms with your sin and you're offended, there is no relief. There's no relief. And the sad story is that this is the Lord, this is the year of the Lord's favor. That's what it says in verse 19. This is the time of of opportunity for you to be saved. So just hear those words. Listen, think about what the word of the Lord is saying to us. The reason why Jesus came to save, save us from ourselves, save us from our sin, save us from judgment. For you see, the Lord came first time to forgive us of our sins. He is coming the next time to be judged. It is not going to be a great day for unbelievers. Are you an unbeliever. The Holy Spirit may be speaking in your heart today and may be calling you to know him. And at home, wherever you're at, watching this on your phone, whatever you are, going and trained to work on one day somewhere in the Northeast or wherever you are, you hear this today. If you would just hear him speak, he's saying things to you like it's true. That's the good news. Listen to what he's saying. Holy Spirit's at work. If, if you would just bow and surrender and bend your knee to the Lord, you'll be saved. And you will begin to grow. You need to find a church that teaches the Bible. And, and you need to start becoming like Christ wants you to be. There is hope. But not unless you surrender to the work of the Spirit that's showing you that Jesus is Messiah, Lord, God, and King. In here today, I know there's not many, but there may be some that have not surrendered their lives to Jesus Christ. Fact is, you're offended. You're offended about what I'm saying. You're offended about what we're reading today. You're offended about the possibility that Jesus would say to you, because of your hard heartedness, because of your callous spirit, because you are not open to the things about God, you become offended and, and, and there's this, this protection that you've put around yourself, this barrier about not allowing God to be personal with you. But there's no possibility of hope without you taking down that fence, that wall, and getting personal with God. We have all sinned and we fall short of the glory of God. Sin is the universal problem. For the wage of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. You can be born again. This is the year of grace. This is the year of the Lord's favor. Will you just receive? Will you just open? Just turn your life over to him. Give yourself to God. Really celebrate Christmas this year because it's personal It shows us what God did. God became a man for us. He became a man for us. Set the captives free. Release the bondage. To mend the brokenhearted. Will you receive Christ? Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the gift of Jesus. We're thankful, Lord, for what he's done for us. Father, we pray, Father, that you'll speak to a heart here today. Maybe there's two people, maybe there's three people, maybe there's four people that need to hear your voice today. They need to be born again. They need to have a personal experience with you, Lord. And as your spirit is speaking right now and touching lives and and revealing the barriers that are there, Lord, we know that you're communicating in a way that everyone understands best and you're at work. And the good news is, Lord, you've been at work long before today and you've been showing and guiding and speaking to people's hearts. Pray, Father, that people will respond to be born again. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to stand. We're going to sing our last song and I'm going to stand here and wait for you. And if anyone needs to receive Christ, we're here to receive you today.